It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is the Talking Tactics Podcast. My name is Daniel. It's your boy, HH. We do the podcast every Tuesday. Remember to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, at Talking Tactics. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow. If you're on Apple Podcasts, subscribe. It's free. Leave us a five-star review, and we'll read it on the show. Check out our Patreon page, $3 a month. Shout out to everybody. We've been a bit late with the with the extras this past week based on Have Hope doing just a bunch of streams and Six-hour, four-hour Champions League post-match. CL final week, man. Yeah, I'm saying, bro. Yeah. A three-hour preview? Oh, bro. Yeah, man. (laughs) Look, maybe it was worth it. Maybe it was worth it. You know? I was like, bro, how come we don't have any time to do an extra this week? And then, what was it? Friday? Friday night? Saturday morning? Whatever time it was. He dropped like a feature-length film. (laughs) I was like, so this is what he was doing with his time. Okay, it is what it is. I watched most of it. I skipped through some of the parts. Like, so, so I didn't care about some of the city player narratives. So I skipped through like Ruben Diaz and stuff like that. But I was like, when is he going to talk about Conte? And he waited until the very end. So I was just go watch that. That's the tricky thing about match previews. Is there really any point to go back? Like someone said, oh, well, looks like if it was worth it. Obviously, after seeing the game, because now. You now go back to it. You're like, oh, what did I predict well? What did I not predict well? Because I think even on the complete, obviously we'll get to put on the complicated Chelsea show. I said, I've got a feeling about Havertz. I don't know why. I just have a feeling about Havertz. I wasn't sure if he'd play. I didn't know whether to speculate too much about him. Because mm. I was like, maybe he'll go with Ziyech. Maybe he'll go with Pulisic. But then you guys are like, nah, Pulisic will come off the bench. And I was like, yeah, you guys are right. And you guys were right. But anyway, check us out on Patreon. $3 a month. You get access to the to the whole back catalog of talking tactics extras that we've done since I guess the start of 2019. So there's only really two games that we can talk about. We're gonna start with the Europa League just because we're gonna go in chronological order. It feels like so long ago, based on the Champions League, that I've almost lost what happened. Moreno scores the first, Cavani scores the equalizer. The game is in this weird territory where nobody really all they couldn't no, no Rashford, Rashford. All he couldn't press a button. And this trope will come back in the Champions League. But Ollie started with all of his game changers. 
He started with Greenwood. He started with Rashford. He started with uh, Cavani. He started, like, when you looked yeah. at Manchester United bench, it was like Daniel James, Juan no, Mata. No, but, but, but why not? Start, no. Start strong. You see, that's the, the issue isn't there. The issue is... And if this your is plan A doesn't work, there's no plan B on the bench. You shouldn't have to resort to a plan B when you're the champions. In a team. final? You shouldn't have to resort to a plan B if you're the What do you always say, team. Have Hope? What do you always say? A final is a final. Once the two teams are in a final, anything can happen. This, this is true. So, so to not have a plan B if your plan A doesn't work, or if you do have a plan B and it includes Daniel James or whatnot, it's not a good plan. Ollie waited 100 minutes to make one substitution. You can make your plan that B. Is you can make your plan B, Daniel James. You can make your plan B, Daniel James, in the sense of if you're, you're saying, okay, guys are going to get tired out. If we're going to extra time, okay, Daniel James, go and stretch the opposition. Go and use your speed and see whether you can just like out maneuver or out front the right back or the but, or the left back. There so, was a there was a weird space in the game where if you wanted to make the Daniel James change at 70 minutes or 80 minutes, you probably could have. But because you're looking at, okay, if this thing goes to penalties or something like that, do I really want to take off Cavani? Do I want to take off Rashford? Do I want to take off all of these players? You probably should have taken off Rashford, but he didn't. He couldn't because he had penalties in mind. Rashford had not a great game. By the way, by the book, You Are a Champion, written with Carl Eka. Send us those copies, Carl. But he didn't have a great game. He was missing chances, wayward. He had one really good chance that he should have scored. I guess that would have been 2-1, and they would have won. But you can't take him off because you're thinking, if this goes to penalties, we can't. For me, and obviously he's going to start, but I'm looking at guys like Greenwood. I'd rather Greenwood come off the bench, not start. Maybe this is more reflective of Ali's skill level at this point. That you can look at Daniel James and see a plan B in that. But Ollie was just like, I'm going to start with my best players and we're going to ride this into the ground. Maybe not even expecting Villarreal to be that good on the day, but they were. And and Emery, Emery re- revitalized his team. He put fresh bodies in 60, 70, 80 minutes. And that gave Villarreal the strength to hold on to what they had. And that got them to the penalty shootout, which we'll get to. But go ahead. Solskjaer, you're a manager. As a manager, you you put out those players there to play, and you can't go out there and execute. You can't go out there and make that pass or shoot. However, though, as a manager, you take training. And when you take training, what I believe you should do as a manager is you're supposed to develop some kind of a plan, some kind of a, a blueprint and identity. All through these years under Solskjaer, what is United's identity? What are they trying to do? Mourinho, defense, Cancer, pragmatic. Louis van Gaal, possession play, passing football. Fergie, counter-attack. For under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, it's like, these are just quality players. I'll put you guys in a good structure. But then, just go and do your thing. So, you look at that game overall, and you say to yourselves that, what were United trying to do? What was their, what was their idea? What's... What's how were they trying to break down Villarreal? All I saw was Rashford gets the ball, but he kept on getting dispossessed by Foyth. Um, Pogba <laughs> would get the ball and just kept on putting a crossfield pass over to Juan Bissaka. Um, Bruno Fernandez was horrible, you know. And I think you now you now see that the thing about football is you have to be able to do the two flex. And the two flex is can you play? against a team that gives you space, and can you play against a team that doesn't give you space? 
a lot of teams can actually do well with teams that give them space. But when you don't have space and you now have the defense is now face you and the defense now goes in deep, what can you do? And that is where you now see the drawbacks and the limitations of Bruno Fernandes. And when we get to it, the drawbacks of a Kevin De Bruyne. As in, these are players who are very good with space because they are impact players that can quickly make the, the pass, they can run into space. But once the defense now sits in deep, you now have to be able to dribble and you now have to be able to walk in tight spaces and you now have to be able to try and beat a man and take a, a man out of it. So it's everything goes back to the training pitch. You know, because if you're a manager, I have to build a team that can beat any kind of team. So a team that presses higher and gives space, okay, this is our counter-attacking plan. A team that sits in deep, okay, this is how we're now going to walk the overlap to the winger. This is the kind of cross I want, and this is the, the kind of run I want from my striker, and this is the latest run I want from my attacking midfielder. So you're going to create that overlap, create that space, look for the cutback, attacking midfielder, go through. Or I am now going to try and Going to training and say, look, we have to work on beating a man. Work on your dribble. Work on trying to make a guy go, make a guy go left, and you go right, and try and beat him. And because trust me, like a dribble, a quality dribble in a key space can create a situation. So I think we predicted this though. If Villarreal had the ball, Manchester United would have a better time of it because of the players that they have: Cavani, Rashford, Greenwood. If you want James, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's their best version. The best version of Manchester United is we don't have the ball, you have it, and we counter off of that. A reactionary team rather than a proactive team because you have Pogba, Bruno, who can find the balls into space. Villarreal were not as possession-oriented as maybe people might have expected given all the La Liga team, the Spanish team, possession football, this and that. Emery was smart. Give them the ball, and if they can't break us down, we take advantage of counterattacks and set pieces. And there was maybe one or two counterattacks where they could have done better. And obviously they, they scored their one goal from a set piece. Parejo, great ball into the box. Moreno scores. So if we're calling it a two flex, I guess we'll call it a two flex. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Manchester United. I can't even blame United because I think a lot of teams struggle just to break teams down. I guess... You know, it's how a Greece can win a Euros or anything like that. Like, just put a bunch of men behind the ball, and it's going to be tough. This how enough, many teams are really adept at unlocking the safe or cracking safes? Give that situation to pick Brazil. They'll be very happy. Oh, but yeah, that's, you're, that's you're, a you're, lot you're to gonna ask give us a little the ball. We will. We 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 are going to break it up because we're going to dribble past you. We're going to beat him, man. <laughs> we're going to put you under so much pressure. What 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 this year is peak Brazil? Put, by the way, nineteen fifty eight, nineteen seventy. Put that same opposition. Give that same opposition to this flick ban unit. You're going to just sit back. Oh, we are just going to put you under so much pressure. We're going to force you into a, a mistake, and mm -hmm. eventually we're going to score. So there are teams out there who, if you want to sit in deep, we have the players. That's the key thing. It's the training, the tactic, but specifically the players and the individual. I, like, I can think of like three teams. You. I can think of like three teams that I trust that these guys can crack the safe. I, just because I trust you doesn't mean you can. So I would have trusted Man City, but we'll get to that. PSG, Neymar, Mbappe, Di Maria, etc. And Bayern just because of the amount of just sustained pressure that they put on you. It's just wave after wave after wave after wave. Other than those three, is there anybody that you can say, I trust you to crack this safe, given the you amount just, of talent say, that you, you have? You oh, just say Mbappe. 
in a deep no. Obviously, Mbappe struggles against teams that are sitting deep. I, I was that listing is, the good players that they have. Once Neymar beats a man, who's he passing to if he decides to pass? He's going to be looking for Mbappe. He's going to be looking for in a counterattack. No, basically, the reality of the situation is that the only club team that I can put my money on to break down a team that sits in deep is Bayern Munich or if City are actually on their game. Or Barca. We'll get there. City will not on their game, but if City Barca, are actually on their Barca's game. Barca is one player. Yeah. Barca is one player. Just, I think Messi could do this on like on a good day. Messi, Messi can do what Messi does. So I'll throw Barca's hat in the ring as well. But my overall point is you asking Manchester United to be able to break Villarreal down when you look at the personnel that they have, it's like, ah, it sounds good. They can maybe flex with the left, but they can't with the right or right, left, how, however you define which arm is which. So, all right, let's talk about these penalties. I felt like I was watching AFCON. Was it Ghana, Cameroon, or was it Cameroon, Ivory Coast, where just everybody everybody made, everybody, everybody, I had these flashbacks. Jervinho, who was like sitting on the chair, not looking. (laughs) 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 Or something like that. It was Zambia. Zambia was another long penalty shootout. I remember that one. But yeah, it just felt like, okay, we have two goalkeepers here who are either incapable or unwilling, perhaps. To stop a penalty. I'm told De Gea hasn't saved a penalty in like years. Like you can count them in years that the last time he saved a penalty, whether in a shootout or in inside of a game. So I think it, it was 11 to 10 it finished. There were a bunch of players who was like, okay, this guy's going to miss. Like Fred, Coquelin. <laughs> the more I think about it, I was just nervous when the black players were taking penalties. Because I was like, oh, nah, man. What's 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 the what's the young defender's name? Twanzebe for Manchester United, and obviously you know early in the season he'd been racially abused and all that. I was like, ah, please don't miss, please don't miss. So the pressure that I've the the anticipation of the badness that would happen once they missed that made me think that they would miss. So now when I think back on it, I'm like, damn, I thought he was gonna miss, but really it's just the stress of like, don't miss, don't miss, don't miss. But yeah, there were some really really good penalties there. I think the Villarreal keeper probably could have saved one or two before, you know, you get to like 9, 10, 11 penalties taken. De Gea's penalty wasn't too bad. It was just the Villarreal keeper had to jump on it because I guess he anticipated that he's going to go to his strong side. So an engaging penalty shootout. Credit to Villarreal. It's their first major trophy. So shout out to Emery, who kind of owns the thing. Yeah, no, look, I think the... Funniest thing was when how they said that uh, what's it called Raul Albiol they said that he'd never scored the is the last time he took a penalty was when he was a child. So <laughs> and then it makes it because you because you, you look at because people said look the penalties were good. Most of them were, were good. Albiol's penalties wasn't actually good. It's just that he sent the hair the wrong way. And the thing about penalties is it will always favor the um guy striking it. Because hence why when you get a penalty given, it's as good as a goal. About 9 out of 10 penalties are scored. So as a keeper, it's about psychology. It's about my mentality. And you have to give credit to both players, United and Villarreal, of them being able to go ahead and score their penalties and be that consistent. Because especially when that goes into sudden death, you know that mm-hmm. you make 
you've got a um, huge pressure on you. So basically, because like when it was going on, I was about to say, like, wait a minute, wait, is no one going to miss? Then when I got to the keepers, I was like, okay, someone's going to miss here. And then when I think it's really the guy scored his own, oh, that's damn good. Then I was like, okay, De Gea. And I think, like, how many penalties does De Gea take? Has he, does he even take penalties? Because this is different from, I've forgotten the name of the keeper. There's a Portuguese key keeper, Euro 2004, where I think he saved one of England's penalties and he then took the next penalty and that was the winning penalty to, to send Portugal through to the next round. Um, mm. And also, so, so what's it called? Like if City-Chelsea went to penalties, um, Edison would be one of the, the five. Neuer, I think, took the, the third penalty in 2012. Mm -hmm. So as a keeper, you're not expected to really score those. So, but then when you now look at what Sokshare says, and he says, oh, um, penalties is a gamble and so forth. Yeah, but as my brother said, penalties is a punishment for not being able to score more goals than the opposition in two hours. In two hours, you can't score more than Villarreal, Man United. If you can do that, you deserve the heartbreak that is penalties, which is a gamble. More pointedly to De Gea, if you can't save one of 11, your punishment is you have to take one. Like, if you didn't want to take one and be the kind of the the goat, the bad goat, you know, we have goat grades of all time, but there's like the other goat, which is like scapegoat. But if you don't want to be the bad goat, save one. And there were some there to be saved. Some of them couldn't be saved. Any last words on, on Emery? <clears throat> this is his greatest victory. I think this is his greatest achievement because the only trophy that Villarreal had won was the Intertoto Cup. And that's as good as like the Audi Cup. So, respect, respect. He, no, look, no, bro. He has a knack for this. He obviously has a knack for this tournament. And it's like there are managers who are, again, we bring in Pep. I think that Pep is very good in the league format, and Emery is very good in the knockout format. So, the league format is consistency, war of attrition, concentration, keep going. And just have that same kind of mentality to keep on going through. Have your tactic that's very well set and keep going. Knockout is, no, you need to tweak. You need to make changes. You need to adjust. So there are a lot more adjustments that you now have to make. Similar to what you have in like the NBA. NBA, regular season, hey, we just play our game and so forth. But now when it now comes to that seven-game series in the playoffs, you have to make adjustments. You have to now make changes. And there's a lot, there are a lot more um, tweaks and coaching that you have to do in that seven-game playoff series than you're doing just some regular season game when you have like freaking 82 games to um, correct your wrongs. So this is his knack, you know, that he just knows how to coach teams to be able to win these one-off two-legged games. But it looked to, to win it with Villarreal, amazing achievement. Super Did Manchester United have a good season? You finished second, but you didn't win anything. It was a failure. They failed. It was a failure of, of a season because you don't win anything for second. You had a chance to perhaps win the FA Cup. So I think, who did they, did they lose to Leicester City? Uh, yes. So you lost to Leicester City. It seemed like you should, you should be since you finished above them. And you lost to Villarreal. So, oh no, for sure it's a failure of a season because what a second mean? Mourinho has finished second already. And you can't call that. You, basically, you definitely can't call it a success. If you have to say success or failure and you have to choose one, 100% it's a failure because you didn't win a trophy. 
you were in a final that you should have won where you were the far stronger team and you lost that final. So for sure, it's a failure of a season. Don't go to the final and lose. You know how many matches, extra minutes you had to put on your legs in order to lose a final? And then you play all of the final? And then 22 penalties? You go through all of that and you get and you receive a second. How do you feel about second place medals? Do you think that they should give people medals for runners up? Because the, the, the whole Manchester United squad just took them off. Yeah, or, or, or yeah, Pep kissed his, but we'll, we'll get there. Silver, bronze. Yeah, because you know what they always say in you know, Olympics? The, the worst medal is, is silver. Normally, whenever you watch Olympics, the guy's really happy that they won bronze because they're like, oh, damn, I, I got bronze. Yes. The guy that gets silver is always pissed off because the dude that gets silver is always a guy who he's close to getting gold. The guy that, that gets bronze is a guy who is not even sure they, can, they will even finish within the medal. So whenever you look at the podium, the, the guy with bronze is smiling, grinning. The guy, the, the person with gold is crying and so forth. The person with silver is basically like frowning. And also, as the saying goes, it's one, of, it's one of like the best sports sayings. Like, you don't win silver, you lose gold. Like, third isn't like, oh, I, I came close to coming second. Third is, oh, geez, third, okay. But I've now got some way to make it to first. When you come second, you're like, oh, damn it, I was just behind that gold. But yeah, no, no, why not, man? Give them, give them the dope, man. You know, because things always happen in threes, you know, like the trilogy and so forth, beginning, middle, end. So yeah, first, second, third. So who wants the second place medal? Set silver is always people actually appreciate bronze. Most people that, that get bronze, they appreciate that. But it's the silver that's in most times silver is like damn. But yeah, but this this isn't silver. It's up it's colored silver, obviously. Mm. But this is just a runner's up medal. Like there is no third place match or anything like that. So basically it's like you showed up, but we're gonna give you this just to mark the occasion. No, no, no. Okay, okay, okay. put it this way. If Villarreal lost, those players would, would cherish that medal. So, like, someone like Pau Torres, who he's been in Villarreal all through yeah. his entire career, ever since the youth games and so forth, if they finish second, he'll be like, wow, damn, this is, proud. This is a proud moment of me being a Villarreal dude, a place of 500,000 dudes, small, small, right. tiny team, and yeah, right. I got right. a freaking um, Europa League um, silver medal. That is pretty damn good from where I came from and how tiny and small this club is. So you're right. if you're in Man the, United, you're like, yeah. nah. Even, okay, in the moment, I was just thinking, I was looking at them in the moment, and I understand that emotion in the moment, that I don't want this thing. Hmm. But the more you step back from it, perhaps you would look back and you would think about the good times of that season. And maybe the trips with your teammates and just the training sessions and like it's a it's a marker of that season. Even if it doesn't, even even if you look back and you're like, damn, we probably should, we could have won that final. The steps to getting to the final probably might may mean something in the longer run, like ten years. You have something to show for that season, even if it's not the best. It's like melancholy. Like you're not gonna look at it and be happy, but it might mm. there might be happy memories associated with your sadness so maybe i can understand but in the moment i'm like i don't want this guy putting this around my neck and immediately it goes on and off yeah no 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 a lot of guys because like i was actually watching it to see how many people will keep it how many people will just remove it congratulations Villarreal. um all right champions league it was slightly reverse psychology I'm, I'm not gonna lie even when i said it wasn't it was i never picked chelsea to win anything 
but one because I'm a jinx. <laughs> this was one of those times I didn't believe they would win, but I was also not going to jinx it by saying they would win because that just it's too much. That's like compounding. Actually, no, we can contextualize the win when it happened, but let's just start with the game. So, actually, this starts with the lineups, doesn't it? That's we have to start there. That's where you have to start. You have to start there. Chelsea's lineup was expected. The big question mark of Chelsea's lineup was you pretty much knew everything, but but it was who was going to play that other attacking midfield position. You pretty much knew that defense would be what it was. Pretty much, I mean, he would, but based on what the the games that happened, you pretty much knew it was defense, the midfield. Okay, Jorginho, Kovacic, but you pretty much knew that. Okay, Kovacic only just came back from yeah. injury. Jorginho has been playing most games. Yeah. Now, you knew Mount was going to start. You knew Venom was going to start. So, it really was, does he go with Havertz? Yeah. Does he go with Ziyech? Or does he go with um, Pulisic? That was the... See, I had... Potential. For Chelsea, I had maybe four questions. Three of which were kind of easy. Well, actually, no. Two of which were easy. Two of which were more difficult. Chilwell or Alonso. I think it's easy to go with Alonso there, but it is a question. Jorginho or Kovacic, slightly more difficult than the former, but I think I think you go with Jorginho, especially what you guys were telling me about, you know, how the Aston Villa game went and maybe, or it was the game before with Kovacic either, but he wasn't looking good. So obviously Jorginho. The two harder questions were Reese James, right wing back or right center back? And Aspilicueta, right center back or right wing back? That one, I was like, it could go either way. Even when they reported that James was at right wing back, I was like, let's wait and see, because that just might be the assumption of the media people. But Tuchel actually had it right, and he put James on the right wing. And then, obviously, as you say, the hardest one of them all was we know Werner's playing. (laughs) We know Mount's playing. Who's the third guy? That it was Havertz. I looked at it, I was like, oh, no, it makes sense. Like, the lineup makes sense. And Conte was playing, Mindy was playing. There were injury concerns about them, but they looked fine enough. So there's that. Then you look at the Man City team. Immediately you notice Sterling is in the team. And what is the ramification of Sterling being in the team? There's no Rodri or Fernandinho. One of the two you would you would have expected to play, but they weren't in the team. So immediately it's like, okay, what is Pep's thinking here? And I was thinking, okay, what he wants to do is kind of similar to what Ali was doing, but let's start on the front foot immediately. So let's put all the fast players that we have, good attacking talent that we have, let's put them in the team. So the ball from Ederson over the top to Sterling in the first maybe 10 minutes or so, like maybe the first important action of the game, that's probably what he was thinking about. When he played Sterling, he just runs in behind, balls over the top. Sterling's fast. He'll get onto it. I think Reese James came and tackled him. Reese James did well the whole game in dealing with Sterling. But I guess that was the thinking there that we know Chelsea's center backs are likely to step up into midfield if they sense pressure. So let's have Foden, Silva, De Bruyne occupying space to that would attract the Silva, attract the Rudiger, attract an Aspilicueta. And if we can, either, you know, Stones, Diaz, Walker, whomever, if we can, or even the goalkeeper, if Sterling can find the run in behind when one of the center backs vacates their space, we can take advantage of that if we catch Chelsea pressing a little bit too much. And that was the thinking. But it's it's so it's, it's almost cliche to be like Pep is overthinking the big match. 
But to not have a DM, you gave Chelsea way too much joy, and there was nobody really there. You're asking Gundogan to be a DM essentially, or just be the only one in that kind of front line or that, that those front two lines that has a defensive thinking in his mind. Like you're not going to ask De Bruyne to track back, neither Foden nor Silva. Mount has time. Havertz can find pockets. Werner was finding space. Like it's just if Fernandinho or Rodri was in the team. Somebody would be there to plug the the holes that exist. I understand the Sterling logic, but I wouldn't pick it for the life of me. I don't understand why Pep decided that that's something that he should try from the first minute of the game. I'll tell you why. It's very simple. This is Pep the man. It's psychological. So this goes all the way back to Barcelona. The narrative that people always say is, yep, Pep, you're cool, and so forth. That, you know, diminutive Argentine, he aight, he aight, you know, he's, he's pretty good. This Spanish team that, that you have, this spine, they're pretty good. What's that? So Euro 08, Walker 2010, Euro 2012. So the narrative has always been, is it Pep? Or was it just that amazing, talented team that you had at your disposal? Of course, your management, your tactics, and how you use them was very important. But now we're now seeing that it was just really, it was a perfect storm, a, a perfect marriage. You're not actually a great manager. You're not. You're a very good coach, an extremely good, good coach with a interesting footballing philosophy, but you're not a good manager. Like a manager is, okay, I have these players. How do I win these players? Okay. I have this place. How do I win in this place? Okay, I have this place. How do we win this place? Hence why what Mourinho did with Porto and Inter Milan is so good. Or what Heinkes did with Real Madrid and Bayern is so good because you're like different sets of players, different team, different culture and so forth. How can I now try and get these guys to be effective and get these guys to win in a totally different environment? But for Pep... It's been pretty much the same kind of idea all the way through. And the, that lineup was Pep having a flashback to 2011 or to 09. We'll dominate. We'll keep possession. Anytime the team has the ball, we're going to press them. And we're just going to totally control this game, which is what they did in 09 and what they did in 2011. The only difference, Pep, is these Man City players aren't Javi, Iniesta, Busquets, Messi, Etzo, David Villa, Fabregas, and so forth. Can I build on top of that? Okay. Because 2009 and 2011, Pep hasn't changed too, too much. But football has. The pressure that you could apply to Manchester United in 2009 and 2011 to make them cough up possession, you know, Barca would want to win the ball back within six seconds, you know, so you'd have all of their midfield players just basically harassing one guy, winning the ball back. And then you kind of recycle the tiki-tack. Pep has changed slightly, but football is different. You can't pressure Chelsea players the same way you could have pressured United players and get the same result. Rudiger, Silva, Christensen who came in, Aspilicueta, even Mendy, Jorginho, Conte. All those players are used to being pressed and harassed and they're used to big game pressure. Like what Liverpool would give you, what United would give you, what City would give you, what... Spurs and even like uh, not, I don't want to call them little teams that like be disrespectful, but Everton will try to press you a little bit. Do you think players now are more capable of dealing with the kind of pressure that Guardiola teams create? And if they are, what is the consequence of that? If you decide we're just going to go all out in pressure, and this is the thing that um, 
our dear friend has to realize is that football changes. I think that at that time, so 08 to 2012, when Barcelona and Spain ruled, I was like, first of all, I, I hated that era. Because I was like, no, I, I hate, you're taking away the beauty of football, but people couldn't figure it out. And with anything, it takes time to figure something out. Because this was, we'd see the tactics before, but not to this level. So guys are like, wait, how do we beat this press? And you just saw them completely controlling games in which people couldn't get an outball. But what mm. happens is, if you study something for enough time, you now, and you fail, you try, you fail, you try, you fail. After like 10 failures, you will then figure out, aha, this is what we need to do. These are the angles, these are the spaces in which we need to, to, do, to, to, to come out. So what you now have is, Fast forward to 2021, teams now know that because they've seen this for so long, they now know, no, we have a counter plan for this pressing game you want to now employ. Which is why, Pep, I thought that you had changed because you were very robust this season. You had a good defensive structure, specifically with the DM. I thought that, no, no, leave that whole, we're going to play with every man, woman, and child behind and use your DM and be conservative because I said again, if City sat deep and gave Chelsea the, the ball, City win this because Chelsea will not score. And that's the funny thing about football ball. Look how much look at how much Chelsea struggled against Aston Villa and how they struggled to break them down because they were sitting deep. But now you now give them space. Boom. So the funny thing about football is, is it really about which team is better or is it much more about matchups? It's about respect. And having a lack of respect or too much respect. <laughs> Basically, Aston Villa respects Chelsea's players. Mm. So because we respect you, we're going to defend and we're going to make it difficult for you to break us down. Manchester City may respect Chelsea, but not enough to sacrifice the principles of their manager, which is we want to play our own game. And because you do that, Chelsea are now in a more advantageous position than they would be against a team that respects them. <laughs> mm. So that's the difference. And Chelsea's Chelsea's season bears that out. Difficult to score against teams that are just like, fine, you're better than us. A line of six, a line of three, a striker, just break us down. Or if you want to play Madrid or Atletico or, you know, in the final city, games like that. You, you The contrast between... Leicester City and Manchester City in the FA Cup and the Champions League, basically. Leicester changed their whole game plan. You know what? I think Chelsea might be better than us on the, on, on the day. So let's be a little bit more defensive and change our style up. Brendan Rodgers respected what Chelsea were going to bring. Pep was like, and I think even said it you know, in the documentary, I don't care what the opposition is going to do. Mm -mm. But if we do what we do to the best of our abilities, which for him means keep the ball and pressure them, we'll win the game. We just got to do us. No, which, which is foolish because for me, you have to always play to win. And I think what you're seeing now in football is philosophies against um, adaptation. But then I look at Flick. Flick was like, no, we will play this way and we'll beat you because we're just better than you. So we're not going to adjust. We're going to want to rethink. Flick played that aggressive high line with that was ultra attacking from the center and the wing. And they won and they beat everyone. And I believe... If Bayern were at full strength, I think that they, they, they defend their title. You can blame the mid-season internationals. And I think Lewandowski got injured against, was it Andorra? Mm. Pep, I understand what you were thinking, I think. But because I think I understand, 
I don't understand why you thought that was a good idea. No, it's, it's, it's just arrogance. He was just arrogant, you know. He's just arrogant. But yeah. So, building on that, there's no way Pep in his mind could have ever seen 10 years ago, probably not even on Friday, Aspilicueta is going to quickly play the ball to Bendy. Mendy's going to clip a ball to Chilwell. Chilwell to Mason Mount. Werner makes a run that takes away two of the center backs. Oh, no. Oh, no. Werner's run takes Diaz away. Just Diaz. Diaz. Away. Just Diaz. And I think, you know, Stones is the one who then steps up. And Havertz is now on the wrong side of Zinchenko. I, I didn't look at Zinchenko to see what he was thinking. It's like, look, the guy had the Red Sea basically in front of him, Mason Mount. He was just like, all right, <laughs> I see the ball. Yeah. If it's good, it's good. One player I did look at, though, was Gundogan. He was caught in between, do I press? But Mendy's pass was maybe too quick. And the interchange between Chilwell and Mount was a little bit too slick to where I don't think he knew what to do or where to be. Like, there's no way, in my mind at least, unless maybe if Fernandinho or Rodri was advanced and trying to press, which maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't be. That big gap is not there. There's somebody there to close Mount down or at least make that pass more difficult. The, that, that pass doesn't happen with a, with a DM. It doesn't happen. No way. Because the, the space might have existed, but Mount had so much time to gauge the run, the weight of pass, everything. I don't. If there's somebody there to put a little bit more pressure on him, maybe the ball's a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right and the, the touch that Havertz gets to get around Edison, who, by the way, Suppose Havertz stumbles and he doesn't get to shoot. Ederson has a red card because the ball hits his hand outside of the box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what someone said. Yeah, yeah, So I I was going to ask you this, but let's just go ahead and finish the sequence. Havertz goes around, empty goal for a split second. I was like, is that Werner? No. (laughs) Because I wouldn't trust Werner to make the open goal. (laughs) But he makes it. No, no, Werner would have have screwed up. Havertz scores the goal. My reaction was I didn't go nuts because the sequence of events led me to believe that something is wrong here. Like that looked almost too easy. So was Havertz offside? So my natural inclination wasn't to just jump up and down and celebrate. I've seen your reaction, by the way. It's pretty nuts. Um, Let me wait for the replay because Havertz must be offside. Like there's no way something legal happened because that just looked too easy or too simple and clearly onside um and i was like wow (laughs) they have a goal and that's a great time to score in the 42nd minute just don't concede before halftime and you'll be okay your reaction kind of speaks for itself but yeah mine was very muted because of maybe var or even if there wasn't var i think i'd still be kind of cool but 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 i think it's weird because i think i was so it, it didn't even feel contentious because he just he, he looked so onside. It's almost as if like time stood still because Havertz knew that, oh, this is an opening. So I didn't even need to play on the shoulder because you saw him basically points. Yeah, I was ball watching. Where, where he wanted so the ball. I, was, I was looking totally at Mount. I wasn't looking at the run. So my, my question would be, would you rather have a goal and versus 11 men or no goal versus 10 men? A goal versus eleven men. The, that's the, that's the old football adage is you know ten men play more compact and can be a lot more re- resourceful. So it's a very risky thing to assume that hey we're a man up let's go through and let's say City get a guy sent off and it's down to ten men. 
You know what I would do? It that would make force City Pep better. to make a change, bring on a DM, exactly, force him yeah. to be a lot more resourceful, <laughs> and therefore City will now have to now sit in deeper and will now play to their advantage. So in exactly. a weird way, it will now force Pep to actually do what he should have done in, in the start. <laughs> That's uh, that, you stole my point. <laughs> I was gonna say, okay, let's if imagine Edison has to come off, right? So they who who do you take off to bring on Stefan? Sterling, probably. Yeah, Sterling. So you take off Sterling, you bring on Stefan. Now you you do that, then you probably say, bro, Silva, come off Rodriff and Andino, come on, because if you're a man down, you need a bit of stability there, you know, in the so, midfield. So, like so you probably double change. changes. See, that's what I was I was thinking. Like, if you take a man off, City get far more defensive. They have to change their game plan. They can't yeah, be they attacking. To, yeah. That means now Chelsea have the initiative. And what do we know that happens when Chelsea have the initiative? They suck. They yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, They're bad. They're not great. So in a weird way, you'd you'd rather have the goal versus 11 men, even though City's 11 men. In the second half, I, w- I was just waiting for City to score. I just figured that there's no way they can play as bad in the second half as they did in the first half. And Chelsea won't play as well as they did in the first half in the second half. Also, Pep is going to realize his mistake. And at halftime, he's going to bring on Fernandinho or Rodri. And that's probably going to... You take a step backward to take two steps forward. You know, I related to chess in some ways. Where sometimes the hardest move to see is like a backwards night move. Because you want your pieces to be attacking. You want them to be going forward and putting pressure on your opponent. But sometimes the best thing to do is like, I need my knight in this square. And the only way to get him in this square, or it, I don't know if they have genders, is to move it backwards, to reroute it, and then to go forward. Sometimes a regressive move is the best option. But perhaps it goes back to hubris and ego and pride, where it's only a goal. Let's keep going. And then we get into a situation like with, although City are a little bit more talented team than United, but he brings on Fernandinho. But who who do you look to to change the game? Jesus? Aguero? <laughs> I mean, Pep would have been far better off. And obviously hindsight's twenty twenty in that. But you start with the DM. If in the case you need to be that attacking because you're down a goal, you could always take a DM off and bring on Sterling to run at a tired Chelsea defense. Surely that makes more sense contextually than taking off Sterling and Silva and all these guys and bringing on Jesus and Aguero, who have been, I don't even know how to describe their form this season, but clearly you don't trust them like you say you do because you've been playing De Bruyne at false nine and all this kind of stuff. Like you, you These are the guys that you expect to get you a goal? I don't know. It's a bit late in the game for that. Let's discuss De Bruyne quickly, though, unless you have a point. No, 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 no. I knew immediately once he got hurt that you were going to use this against him. I even tweeted it out. Like, I feel bad. (laughs) Because this goes to the, has he balled in a Champions League semifinal, Champions League final, World Cup semi, World Cup final. I'm like, damn. Now It's not as bad as Ronaldo. Ronaldo, I, I forget what minute he got hurt in the Euro final. It was within the first 20 minutes, maybe. De Bruyne at least had Euro an hour. Final. What, what's Euro final? 2016. Oh, sorry. Talk about Portugal. Oh, oh I was sorry, talking about yeah, Cristiano yeah. and yeah, yeah. the Euro final in, in 2016, where I think he might have played 15, 20 minutes. Did you, do, do you remember when the bug flew on his face while he was down yeah, and he yeah, was yeah. crying? Yeah, yeah. 
and then he became a coach. <laughs> People say you got to give him credit because he was coaching. He was, he was cheerleading, not coaching. He was cheerleading. Those are different things. Um, Santos was coaching. He was cheerleading. Yeah, I'm like, De Bruyne getting injured isn't as bad as that because at least he had an hour. And I'll, I'll contend that people saying, oh, he had a disaster class. He was terrible. He was this, he was that. He wasn't that bad. He wasn't that bad. And City's biggest chance of the game for me would have been the Foden chance. And De Bruyne created that. And what so, else? I mean, there wasn't much else to create. Very good. So, so, so it is a disaster class. He comes off, I think, after an hour. By the way, the way the the, the referee red card, yellow carded Rudiger. Yeah, that was funny. Eh, that, was funny. That, eh, was funny. That, was, that was kind of fucked up. The, the referee had a good game, by the way. I'll, I'll give him that. Yeah. Um, although for, from his, afterwards, from, 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 oh, it was his last game. He's retiring as a referee, so oh, that's okay. why he was crying. Oh, damn, okay, okay. The cynical part of my brain that's still attached to Chelsea was like, yes. <laughs> Like, get him off the pitch, man, because he's dangerous, right? But at the same time, like, the logical footballing side, which I'd, I'd say is maybe like 75% of my brain, not the bad 25%, corrupted 25%, was like, I want to see the best players playing. So De Bruyne going off, I was like, ah. And I know De Bruyne is this, – this is how you know De Bruyne's still nice because people were happy when he came off. Why, know, who was happy when he came off? Chelsea fans, my whole timeline was like, yay! Oh. Evil people, but yeah, yay! <laughs> on, 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 because like, I was sort of like, phew, this is actually, so Chelsea have a threat that they don't have to worry about, but at the same time, he wasn't actually playing very well. But the thing though is, the Bruins are kind of player where just out of nowhere, could just produce a pass or something, and boom. Or just shoot so. from 30 yards and it goes in. So, <sighs> But Kepa wasn't playing, so you don't really have to worry yeah, about yeah. long shots. <laughs> end, end of the game happens. So, you know, there's, I guess, one Mares chance that was like, uh, I could have got it. But it didn't. You know when the goalkeeper just kind of looks and he's like, I'm helpless. If it goes in, it goes in. Mendy gave us one of those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was just like, and I, obviously you can't see my face, but he just looks at the ball, just kind of go over the, the, the crossbar, and he's like, whew. And seven minutes added time. What did you think about the seven minutes? I, I, I understood the seven minutes was coming because of the De Bruyne injury. Aspilicueta went down and needed treatment, substitutions, etc. I understood like mm, six or seven minutes is probably going to come up, but. I wasn't that stressed, believe it or not. It felt like a it felt like a Premier League game. I don't know if you got that same feeling. Maybe you like you were really into no, the I'm, occasion. I'm, 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 I always said like I've always I've never liked the whole point of the Champions League is this, which is why I like and what I like most about football is this culture against this culture. culture this clash. way of football, this way of football. Hence why I love the World Cup, Afcon, Euros, Cop America. And so forth. So I, I, mean, I was never a fan of like two teams from the same league playing. The only time where I think it would be amazing is if it's Barcelona Real Madrid. Mm. That would be an amazing Champions League final. That's the only Champions League final where, while both teams from the same league, that would be very good. What did you do when the game ended? Except live stream, obviously. Bro, I just I drank a bit. <laughs> I just went on to obviously I would. I, like it's weird. Like I think I went to bed at like six a.m. or five or five a.m. because because obviously I did the whole the, the whole six hour post match and then I went I went onto ESPN FC looked at all, all all of the thoughts went onto everyone's Instagram saw everyone doing their whole Instagram thing for the Chelsea players 
Twitter, boom. Your summary of perhaps what this means for Chelsea Football Club, what would you say? Oh, it's for me. I think it's it's huge, you know. But I think for me, the the big thing was just it's the individual stories. It's the Kante narrative. It's the Rudiger narrative. Like the Rudiger narrative is so, like, do you see the video where he says, "Who wants me out now? Huh? Who wants <laughs> me out now? Who wants me out now?" <laughs> yeah, sorry. You know, so it's like no, but it's it's, it's huge because I, I remember going to um, when I did the preview for the Real Madrid second leg, and I was just filming some stuff outside Stamford Bridge. And you just see the one solitary Champions League trophy of 2012. I know what they always say that if you win something once, eh, it's a it's a fluke. It's like for me, England's won World Cup. Does it really count? Because you yeah. you, you, you won well, it once and you won it on home soil. So it's like there was eh. a, there was there was an African boycott in '66. So we can argue that one. So 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 my <laughs> thing is that once France won their second and the second was not on home soil, I'm like, aha, this is legit. This is real. Again, for Spain, it's like, no, Spain, you need to win this again to really... Because one could just be like, ah, you just fluked it, that one. So you're now doing it a second time. And also, here's the thing, though, is that I think this one, that's that's that's, that's the thing, because you look at this on 2012. Was this... Is this a greater achievement than 2012? No. Barca in 2012 were different stuff. But Chelsea still had Drogba, Lampard... The, the old bones of what was Drogba was thirty four, but still veterans. But this was those are, messy. Those are this was peak... players who are veterans. No, 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 no. That was, like, and these are a bunch of kids. Again, it goes back to what we just said. It's all about matchups. But I do hear your point. Chelsea, the institution, benefits from having a second one because it validates the club on a different mm-hmm. level than just the fluke. Or miracle, or juju, black magic, white magic, maybe that uh, that was performed. <laughs> I was gonna tweet out rest in peace to all the goats, lambs, and calves that were killed. Yeah. <laughs> well, you saw the procession in Nigeria <laughs> with the cattle. <laughs> no. No, I'm, I mean, surely you have to at least ask the goats that: Do you want to be painted blue and white? You can't just paint. <laughs> They go blown away without asking their permission. So, oh man, all right. So, yeah, Chelsea have their second. Just a small word for Ngolo Kante. In the moment, I called him the greatest midfielder of all time. I've had to back off of that. I think, at least in my own mind, the tweet will stay up forever. But, bro, the resume is 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 too solid. It's too solid. Too too solid. World no, Cup. No, 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 he, World he Cup. Premier League with Leicester, yeah. Premier League three, with Chelsea, three, FA three Cup, back, back, man of the match awards, man. It's, he has it's the, the the I don't even need a narrative anymore. It's like I don't need to speak on him. It is what it is. What's understood doesn't have to be said anymore. But did he ball in a World Cup final? He balled in a World Cup semi. But then he have to ball in a World Cup final. But know? he was he had flu, and he still played an hour. He didn't ball. Hence why, if you want Horseman status. I needed to bowl in the World Cup final. How <laughs> <laughs> it is, Matt. How it is. Credit to Angolo. This is a, a better conversation. This might be the worst collection of Champions League winners I've ever seen. Kepa, Caviero, Emerson, Chilwell, Alonso. But just some of the names who are not Champions League winners. You just look like if you go to Kepa's Wikipedia page <laughs> and you look at honors, <laughs> the 
<laughs> Guys, it's mm. just Champions League 2020, 2021. Like, ah. So he has what Buffon doesn't. How is that fair? I know Life fair is where they judge one. pigs, but, you know, Timo Werner, Giroud. Giroud gets it. It's just, you know, Werner is the one that has a superior ultimate, you know. At least he didn't score. <laughs> they won and he didn't score. Although, I think if he did score, you know, ultimately, Chelsea fans won't care who scored as long as somebody did score. How do you feel about people trying to give Frank Lampard credit? Bullcrap. You deserve credit because Chelsea technically probably shouldn't be in the Champions League to begin with based on the transfer ban and losing Eden Hazard. Frank Lampard did see over the season that qualified Chelsea in fourth. So that's where you get credit, that you did enough in 2019-2020 to get Chelsea into the Champions League. Outside of that, this season was monstrous. I don't know if you get credit this season. Chelsea don't beat Atletico. The way they beat Porto, I don't think they beat Porto with Frank Lampard. Porto was the closest game. Going hmm. back to what we said before, Porto respected Chelsea to make it close. And obviously the scoreline is a bit fugazi based off like the last two minutes and the crazy goal that I forget the name of the striker. Taremi. Taremi. Ah, yes. <laughs> I was like, it's not Marega, but it's the other one. Um, <laughs> don't laugh. <laughs> Musa, what up? Um Lampard and Morris, let's put it that way, because I think they can't be separated. They're not doing this. I've seen wild tweets, and don't forget about Lampard and what he did, like he was playing or something. Like, nah. Chelsea won in spite of having him there, not because. Oh, what happened? No, 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 All right, so to close this out, this is the last game of the season. We got some Euros coming next week, but we got we, we, we got some lists. So we're going to try to make this quick. Most important player of the season. Most important player. This is different than best, but who is the most important player? Now, the best can be the most important, but the most important is not necessarily the best. That without them, this team doesn't work. Oh, Kante then. N'Golo Kante. All right. Best goalkeeper. Courtois. Thibaut Courtois. I concur. I'm tempted to say Mindy, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> best defender. Center back, fullback, wing back, from Inter Milan. I'm still going to give it to Diaz. I'm not going to hold that final against him because that's more Pep undoing the team than Diaz being undone. What was there for 99% of the season, you just decide, ah, and you mess it up. Best midfielder? Um, I went with Ilkay Gudnogwan. See, the easy answer is Kante. But I do have to take into account the Lampard portion of the season. Mm. And Lampard was reckless, I would say, in his deployment of Kante. He was playing him like Makaleli at times. He wants to replace him with Basmati Reisman. He was playing him at the base of the midfield, which I've always said, if Kante wants to prolong his career, that's something he needs to develop. But the way Lampard was doing it was as if he was like peak Makaleli. I thought, hmm. It's it's the right idea, but the way you're doing it, you're not doing it correctly. So if it was just from January until now, Conte is who I'd say. I'm going to go Kimmich okay. from what I've seen with Bayern. The best winger of the season. Isn't that the same as an attacker? Why, why, why didn't you just put best attacker? Forwards and wingers, wingers are different to me than strikers. Strikers are pure number nines. 
So if we say best attacker, you might say Benzema, you might say Salah, but Benzema and Salah are not the same. You're saying that. So, so is it his best inside forward then you're saying? Inside forward. <laughs> forward, forward player or winger are not the same to me as a striker. So I separate the two. My best forward slash winger would be Mbappe. But Mbappe is not the same as uh, Lewandowski, Suarez, Benzema, Haaland. Uh, okay, I'll say Lukaku. Salah then. Salah. Salah? Salah? He, he pretty How? much carried the Liverpool team. That's where pretty crap through most season. And he was the guy that was pretty much carrying them. So yeah, Salah. And I'm, okay, right. I, I know that I can't, I can't, can't on Mbappe's Uber Eats goals. So. <laughs> Respect for the French League, bro. Damn. And the best striker of the season. By striker, I mean out and out number nine. Uh, Benzema. No, 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 no. Sorry, Lewandowski. Lewandowski. See, this one's actually, I said it's easy. It's not, is it? Suarez had a really good season. Haaland had a really good season. Benzema had a really good season. Lewandowski had a great season. Lukaku had a great season. It's actually not easy to pick between the five. I'm a Lewandowski for me, man. I'm going to take out Suarez. I'm going to take out Haaland. I'd put Lukaku third. I'm going to go against you just to make it fun. So if you go Lewandowski, I'll take Benzo. <laughs> um, best manager of the season. Oh, Gautier, Lille. Although there is a good argument, like someone on the hangars made a good argument for Can make Emery. an argument for Emery? Based on like money he had to spend and what he achieved with Villarreal. That's, that's a, that's a, it's a good win. And this is similar to Conte in a way. If you divorced Tuchel from PSG and you just gave me the Chelsea version of Tuchel and what he's done with Chelsea with no preseason, no transfers in six months, I could make a solid argument that that's the best six months of management this season. However, if we're going for the 2020-21 season, you do have to take into account PSG, which means you, you can't say Tuchel. How much stock are we really giving the Europa League for Emery? I mean, I understand it's Villarreal, and that's like probably above their level. So yeah, you do get credit in terms of like the dod, <laughs> the degree of difficulty. But I think beating PSG and breaking the the monopoly that PSG have in league uh, with Lille is impressive. Leo have been blessed in the transfer market. So they've sold Basuma to Brighton two years ago. They sold Pepe, Osimen, Gabriel. So they have had money to spend, probably like 200 mil or more in euros. But yeah, that's an impressive accomplishment. I don't want to put him third. So I, th- I agree with you. I'd go Gautier. I'd put Emery. Third, I would put Antonio Conte. Mm. However... I don't like this man. <laughs> and we can interject this here rather than in the topical section. He's gone. He left Inter. Does he? I think he just likes money. I think he just wants or, checks. Or, 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 or he just likes to beef with people. You can, you can tell. Even I remember him in his playing days. Like he was always a very combative person. And I just think that's you know he just likes to bitch and moan and likes to be combative. You know, he does like a lot of money. But then most people. Want that severance package? How many people are willing to like you know what? I'll step down and leave. You know, most guys you don't blow up package. every relationship for a severance check. Like, damn, man. I was he left Lecce, he left Juventus. Okay, Italy, 
served your nation, did well in the Euros and all that. Chelsea, he, he ended up suing them after tanking a season, allegedly. <laughs> and now Inter, two seasons. You probably should have won it last year. You win it this year. You're building good relationships. Lukaku's out here saying, oh, you're the best manager I ever had. You've unlocked this and this and that. Now he's gone. Now what happens with Lukaku? Chelsea, uh, call and see if you can't get him. Just He's just an annoying character. He's a good character for football because there's always drama, but the guy is just respectfully. Um, Best game of the season. The best game that you watched this season, if I could make you recall a game. Uh, Bayern PSG first leg. Bayern PSG first leg. I would say the game I had the most fun watching, which for me equals the best, would be the first leg between PSG and Barcelona. Because Mbappe went nuts. <laughs> and that was my best game of the season. Even if it's not the best aesthetic game, because Barca kind of got... Uh, so it's basically, basically, it was your favorite game then? Your favorite game then? Yeah, 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 yeah. More, more so favorite than best game. Same, same thinking. What was your favorite goal of the season? You know what's, you know what's, what's funny? <laughs> I think because I was watching the Bayern PSG thing, I never saw the Taremi goal. So while we're just doing this, I actually went onto YouTube mm-hmm. to look at the, the Taremi goal. What the yeah. blood? Because people said, man, it was an amazing goal. So I just thought, oh, maybe it's a volley or something, everything. No. Lucky one. And then when I saw it, I was like, what in God's name? That's ridiculous. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's, that, that goal was ridiculous. We can we can we can both agree on the on the yeah, no, 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 but no goal was better than that ceramic goal. No way, no way, no way. Best and worst signings of the season. Worst signing is is William. Best signing. <laughs> William was free. You're not gonna put that on William, bro. Oh, no, yeah, so, no, yeah, no. Best signing Diaz. Worst signing William. I'm gonna say the best signing was Suarez for Atletico Madrid. Okay. And I'm going to say the worst signing was Donny van der Beek. How can you say the worst signing when he's not even, even played? He's not even performed badly. That's my point. Mm-hmm. What Was it 30 or 40 million they spent and he doesn't play? I don't understand why they made that, that signing. He could have stayed in Ajax. He could have gone to another team. It just doesn't make sense. Willian was free. So to not play him or him playing badly or whatever it is, fine. They spent money on Vanderbeek, and he's he was earmarked as one of the best players in the transfer market. Oh, they signed early. Manchester United are doing their business early. They're, this is finally the season where Woodward puts it all together. <sighs> he didn't even play. <laughs> <laughs> and an argument could be made, I suppose, just to not you know put Woodward too much in the mud. Cavani was a good signing for Manchester United. Very good I don't know signing. if. I don't know if he'd put, be like, you know, best of the season, but you know, they, I don't know. They he's some, out his his top three signings easily. Top, guess, top yeah, three. but they, they, they get some credit for that. Bricks of the season, I suppose. I don't want to say brick door, that's copyrighted. I know, I know. Um worst. Do we have worsts? So we did worst signing. I don't want to say worst manager. Worst manager would be probably like Chris Wilder. Lampard is the worst manager. <laughs> Vs. Boas, <laughs> he quit no, management to go race cars. <laughs> uh, worst player of the season, Timo Werner. Damn, is this all going to be Chelsea related? 
Can I think of a worse I mean, I can't player? Think of any, I mean, it's, it has to be Timo. I really can't think of a worse player this season than Timo Werner, but that's just because I've watched so many minutes and I've suffered. But I know somebody out there is going to be like, yo, this guy is terrible. <laughs> he plays for my team and he's so bad. Um, but trust me, you haven't suffered until you've watched open goal miss after open goal miss after offside goal 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 after offside goal. Um, oh, this might be an interesting one. What do you did you have like a favorite storyline or narrative of the season, like a thread that went from the beginning to the end, or something that happened in the middle of the season that you thought was noteworthy? Like my favorite storyline was what happened with the Super League, like within the space of hmm. 72 hours. It went from well, like, yeah, they like, destroyed that's, football. That was the biggest story. So like, yo, this shit was illy planned, poorly planned. Like they had no idea what they were really I doing. They, 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 they fought harder for that than they do against for, for racism. So that was my story. <laughs> so that was, that was like the best, biggest story, I guess, of, of the season. The Copa America has been moved from Argentina to Brazil. Because of COVID reasons, but... If you look at the map of like how bad COVID is in South America, it's not like that's it might be slightly better, but it's not a great improvement to move your tournament from Argentina to Brazil based on COVID. Yeah, Brazil, is, Brazil has handled it amongst the worst in the world. So either go that, to America or as everybody seems to be doing these days, go to Portugal. Fly everybody to Portugal and have your tournament. In Lisbon, Porto, etc. I don't know why you would. I guess it's going to be so closed off that maybe you could have it in Brazil, but it doesn't make sense to move it from Argentina to Brazil. I don't. I don't get it. But either way, did you read Zidane's open letter? Yeah. What did you think? Wow. That's you shouldn't treat a horseman like that, but Zidane. That's how Real Madrid works. Once Real Madrid discarded of Cristiano the way they did, they knew that this club is built differently. And specifically, Paris is built differently. Like, the club will always come before any entity. Like, Cristiano, the guy scored more goals than games he played in. And they said, look, mates, bounce. <laughs> so, I think Zidane has to realize that, you know, the, the, the Paris and so forth are cold-blooded. And that's just the aesthetic that he's built for this club, you know. So... It is what it is, man. But you can't fit a horseman like that, man. Not, not season. <laughs> I don't know if Perez knows he's a horseman, to be fair. Um, Aguero's gone to Barcelona. I think they did the medical today or yesterday, and they announced it. You know, they put Aguero on their official website. So do you think that's going to be enough to keep Lionel in uh, Catalonia? Oh, no, for me, no, Messi was staying regardless. This is just like an extra... Cherry on, like, on top. I'm like I've I've already come to terms that yeah he's he's staying regardless he's staying, but it's just like an extra additional pet that's he then they don't have so, you know. And last thing that's on our list, I don't know how to say this without being rude to people, but I'm just gonna say it anyway. People were really in the streets protesting this Super League thing. All oh, the destroying football. I can't believe they've destroyed football. Uh, we need to back UEFA, this, that, this, that, this, that. The greed is too much, blah, 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 blah. People in Petacek's face and tearing up stadiums and this and that. How come I don't see the same energy for UEFA, like basically destroying European competitions by, you know, they want to remove 
two leg ties in the semifinals to make it, you know, a one leg knockout tie. They're getting rid of the away goals rule. They're destroying European football slowly rather than in one fell swoop. And I guess people are more comfortable with drip change, even if that change is bad, than like one big change that they're not used to. So people are not going to be protesting that, you know, the away rules, uh, the away goals rule is being removed or they're going to change the structure of European football or the Swiss format that they approved like the day before or after the Super League was announced. Like, do you think they announced the Super League knowing the Swiss format was going to be released? People would freak out about the Super League and not even look at the change that UEFA approved of. And like by the time it happens, you're like, well, when did this happen? This it happened like 48 hours before or after Super League Day. Like to get rid of away goals for for what purpose? Why? It's stupid, it's dumb, and it's pretty much just dumb. So that's because they want to keep big teams in as much as possible. The away goals rule keeps everyone on their toes. It's what makes the Champions League special. And I think it is what's can give that small team a chance and what leads to a shock's happening. You remove the away goal rule, more likely the bigger teams are now going to remain and more likely we're not going to see games go to penalties, which is crap and garbage. So people always want to ruin a good thing, man. But how, why, don't, why don't you think there'll be as much uproar about them changing all these rules and formats and this and that? Because people, don't, people are not as hung up on that as they are about a Super League. They're like, okay. I think someone like me or you really care more about the away goal rule than the um, local fan. But the local fan cares more about, oh, no, the integrity of our club and so forth and everything. For them, oh, away goal, blah, blah, blah. Who, who cares? So People gassed UEFA, man. They basically showed that if anybody comes out with an idea that we've never heard of before, the people probably aren't going to accept it which means UEFA have a monopoly and a grip on power that can't be touched. So they can basically do anything they want in the pursuit of making the bigger teams happy to where they don't leave. But in the same or in the same breath, they ruin the sport or at least the competition. It's like the idea that in a Euro, like the third place teams qualify, like that's stupid. You know, Portugal... In 2016, they drew more games than they won in the whole competition. They played seven games. They drew four. They won three. Two of them they won on – no, one they won against Wales in normal time, I guess. But one was penalties, and one was in like the 117th minute or whatever, whenever Eder's goal was. But people have no qualms about, oh, so the third-place team, and they go into a table just because they feel like expanding the tournament to 24 teams instead of the 16 – or the World Cup being expanded. Oh, we're going to make it 48, 97 teams. Like, for me, again, I've made the argument before, Uganda's never made a World Cup. So make it as many teams until Uganda can qualify, and then y'all can mess with it from there. (laughs) But the expansion of all these tournaments and making so many, like, I don't understand where the outrage is for these decisions necessarily. It's just like you, you, you change things slowly at a time, and people just get a customized or acclimatized to slow change. But the Super League was like, bam, like here's some new, fresh thing that you've never heard of. And it's just like a this is, you know, revolution versus reform, I guess. But, you know, these changes are not making me happy, bro. I, what's next? 
is my question. Are they going to like, hey, we're going to have like, if you make a goal from outside the box, it's going to be worth two. (laughs) 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 Could you imagine if they had like a penalty is worth one, a regular goal is worth two, a goal from outside the box is worth three. (laughs) Or, okay, we're going to change the penalties and we're going to do like they did in like MLS in like the 90s or 80s. Or like it's like 1v1. Just lastly speaking, I would not be against that. You know the one v one penalties. No, 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 no. The... We 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 spoke about this before, and I said that's trash. But would okay? Would you rather trash. watch one v one penalties or like the Villarreal United shootout? I'd rather watch that the shootout. It's more dram- dramatic. It's it's it's, wow. it's way better. So. <laughs> Could you imagine <laughs> Luke Shaw or somebody like that? Fred going one v one against Rufil or whatever Ruli was it? I think it's Ruli. Yeah, Ruli going one v one against Ruli or Francis Cockerlin trying to go one v one against him. <laughs> ah, uh, actually no, you're you're right, you're right, you're right. Don't do that, don't do that because that's just asking for racist abuse. So just make it simple. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, next week. We're gonna do a Euro preview, so yeah. get your questions in. Who 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 are you leaning to? Like right now? No idea, man. It's no it's, idea? it's 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 fully open. No it's idea. Close. I think you should pick Portugal just on the off oh, chance. Jinx. That, that like the juju's real. <laughs> Talking Texas podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram. If you're listening on Spotify, remember to give us a follow. If you're on Apple Podcasts, subscribe. It's free. Leave us a five-star review and read on the show. I'm at Daniel to look. Half hope. Where can people find you on the internet? Halfhopefootballhots.com. Indeed. Talking Texas Podcast. Sometimes funny, sometimes serious. Always football. See you guys next week. Peace, peace, peace. Peace, peace, peace. Sports Social Podcast Network. <laughs>